Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Rivals for Ernie, I'm Monty, and together we're going to talk sports. But Ernie, because we are now a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, we're very honored and very, very happy to be a part of the the family at 7060 AM and 95.1 FM. We're going to be releasing our podcast weekly, not only on Spotify and, and Apple and the way you get your podcast, but also through Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So I thought, Ernie, it'd be a good opportunity for this new audience here locally in Hawaii to just kind of explain how the sports rivals came about. So let's take a little bit of time to do that. Tell them a little bit about yourself, and then I'll tell them a little bit about myself, and then we'll go from there. Okay, well, I'm an avid Pittsburgh Steelers fan as well as Boston Celtics fan. Have been for so many years. Uh, Known Monty for so many years. We both coached... uh, uh, youth soccer together that's how we uh, basically came together and we we're just at the dinner table one night and we were just talking about sports and uh, comparing our you know our back and forth banter in regards to other sports I guess uh, personalities out there and saying hey why not you know it's the COVID time we're, we're, we're at home uh, during this time uh, let's fill this in with uh, you know some of our you know our love for the game and uh, it just grew. It just grew, and it, it, it's it's that's all it was. It was basically love for for the for sports. And because I'm a Celtics fan, uh, Monty here is an LA Laker fan. That's how we came up with the rivals. Not that we disagree on everything, but our love for the game revolves on my my team, my basketball team from the East Side, his uh, basketball team from the West Side, and you know our football teams. And, and therefore baseball teams and whatnot. We don't like any teams that match. So that's how, from my perspective, that's how it kind of started. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it was a family affair to start. I mean, he's, Ernie is exactly right. We're sitting at the din- dinner table with our kids there and they're the ones that actually helped suggest this. And then they all helped be a part of this. My daughter put together the logo, the Sports Rivals logo, Ernie's uh, daughter um, and her boyfriend put together the intro and outro music that we enjoy with the podcast. Um, my wife does the pro- does the editing and the the producing at this right. point in time. It's a true family affair. But what makes it fun is Ernie is exactly right. We've been friends for a long time. We've coached together. Our kids are all best friends. Um, he has three girls. I have two. They're all best friends. They're all the same age. Um, so we do a lot together and we just love talking sports. I mean, I, most of you in Hawaii, you're probably familiar that I am with Watanabe Floral. I guess I am the same one, the sales and marketing director at Watanabe Floral. Ernie uh, has a long, had a long career in the banking industry. Um, so we come from different backgrounds, but we're no different than most people out there that just like to talk sports. Of course, we're going to have our opinions on things. Ernie loves the wrong teams. I love the right teams <laughs> as evidenced by the championships in recent years. Um, but we just love talking sports. So we think it's relatable. It's like any two people or any discussion at your family's dinner table with your with your best friends or anything, just talking the variety of sports that are out there. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of how we put this together. It's been a year and a half now, uh, and we hope to, to really build this program and provide good content and some entertainment for the listeners here at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So to everyone on the, on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network family, thank you for including us, and we look forward to working with you guys going forward. So that being said, Ernie, let's jump straight into it. No UH football this week. So that means, you know what that means? they did not lose this week so that's always that's always a good thing they go to san diego state next week they're 18 point underdogs and this is probably the worst san diego state team in a long time i mean they've been having a real real hard time uh, as we talked about it last week it seems like it's going to be a long season yeah, for the university yeah. of hawaii I, I think we just got to be patient as fans in regards to you know this iteration of uh, uh football Timmy Chang will bring in his crew next year. I think that's when we can start evaluating. He inherited this, lost a lot of players through the player portal. So, you know, it, it, it is going to be a long, long season for the 
uh, UH Warriors. Just hang in there if you're a true fan. Uh, we've been through this once before. We can make it through again. Yeah, absolutely. The big news in local sports probably was Friday night. The Kahuku Red Raiders hosted the number three ranked team in America, St. Francis from Maryland. Had them 15-7 to in the fourth quarter. Gave up a fumble return for a touchdown and a late touchdown with 30 seconds left. They lose the game in a heartbreaking fashion, 20-15. Uh, to 15. But they had the three team in the nation on the ropes. So congratulations to Kahuku for standing up and playing the number one ranked team a couple of weeks back. The number three ranked team putting a toe to toe against the best teams in the country and holding their own. So that's kind of what happened in local sports. But let's transition to what Ernie and I know and like to talk about best. And that is NFL football. So another heartbreaking day today for Ernie as the Steelers <laughs> dropped to one in three. Oh my goodness. Um, but they lost to a great team. I mean, the New York Jets are on their way up right now. <laughs> yeah, with the, yeah, with the future perennial pro bowler in Zach Wilson, of course. <laughs> but you know what, Ernie? There's a there's a lot to unpack in that game. Yes, they did lose. Yes, they go to 0-8 without TJ Watt. But the biggest news out of that game could be the change that happened at halftime. Your thoughts on Kenny Pickett and how he did today in his first in his first half of professional football yeah, I, th- I thought he did well Trubisky you know only producing six points in the you know in, in, in the first half of that particular game uh, struggled mightily again I, I don't I, I just think Tomlin's reason in putting in Pickett was basically to create a spark I think that's what Kenny Pickett did I mean he had three interceptions uh, his first two interceptions the first one off of Deontay Johnson's fingertips bounces into you know a defender's hands his second interception was a hail mary towards you know uh, the uh, towards the end zone for Chase Claypool. That one bounces off Claypool into a defender's hand. And his last one was basically a another hail mary towards the end, which ended the game. Other than that, he I thought he played well. He was ten of thirteen. His three incompletes, like we meant, we talked off the air, were those three interceptions, one hundred twenty yards, no touchdowns, but two rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. for Kenny Pickett. And I think he just opens up the offense a little bit more. I think the the players respond to him being in that puddle. Uh, I look for better things. I blame, if there's any blame to go around in this game, I don't put it on Pickett. I really put it on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense for allowing 14 points to the fourth quarter. I think that's what they did last week when they couldn't hold off, uh, you know, hold on to uh, uh, a lead in that game and, and lose it. But like I said, I mean, the, the defense is playing without T.J. Watt. They've been forced on the field for a, for a long time because the offense cannot sustain drives. Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, they have Alex Highsmith, who has five and a half sacks, you know, in four games this season. So he's doing his part. I just don't think Cam Hayward and the rest of the guys who I expected a lot more are doing their part in order for that defense. So Minko Fitzpatrick, I'm uh, I'm gonna back up. He's been doing well, yeah, but he's been they, balling. Yeah, they they need they need more help, and I think it's part of it is because of attrition. I you know they need T.J. Watt back, and I think they need the offense to take their share of plays because they've been on the field a lot. Yeah, I, I mean I agree. I, I'm excited for Kenny Pickett. I hope they don't do what Brian Flores and Miami did to Tua a couple of years back when it was put him in, take him out, put him in, take him out, put him in, take him out. Mm-hmm. Once you've gone to Kenny now, they're one in three. They're going to Buffalo as 14 point underdogs. I think you ride it out with Kenny Pickett already. I think he has that charisma that not only galvanizes the fans, but I think he has that that aura that is attractive to his teammates as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 of 13 is, is not bad. His first pass was the interception to Claypool. He responded right after that, going right down the field. Mm-hmm. The only thing that bothered me today about Kenny Pickett was he took two rushing touchdowns away from Najee Harris, who I have on my fantasy football team. True. Give Najee the ball down at the down at the goal line. Come on, Steelers. But on the other hand, I have Pat Fearmuth as well, and yeah. he started throwing the ball to him. Oh, so definitely. that balances out. Yeah, yeah nine but targets. I, I like Kenny Pickett. I mean, at this point in time, I, we've been talking about this for weeks. Trubisky's not going to get them to the playoffs. He's not the answer. So right now, why not build something with Kenny Pickett? Let him develop with the young Pickens and the young Claypool and the young Deion 
Deontay uh, Johnson and and the young Pat Furmuth and the young Najee Harris. Yeah. Let them all develop together so that they can start to build something. Because right now it doesn't it doesn't look good. Anything can happen, but it doesn't look good. And I think it's going to get to a certain point. Unless T.J. Watt can come back really soon, like right after the four games, if they're say one in six, then maybe you don't even rush him back. You know, you mm-hmm. don't rush him back for just to rush him back. But it was a tough day, tough day for the Steelers. But if you're a true Steeler fan, I think you have a mixed reaction. I think you're a little bit of a optimistic with Kenny Pickett more so than Trubisky. Yeah, and at, at this point in time, they're only one game out. We're, we're, we're a quarter into the season. The Steelers are really only one game out. And really, they're one game out from everybody because yeah. only the Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated. You know, Ernie and I were talking about this right before we, we started the broadcast in that we cannot remember a time when the NFL had this much parity. After week one and the Buffalo Bills destroyed the Rams, I think everyone had crowned them the NFL champions. They lost last week. They came back and won today. We'll talk a little bit about that game. But they don't seem to be unbeatable by any stretch. No. So every team seems to be beatable, and there are no teams that are really terrible. I expected the Seattle Seahawks to be abysmal this year. Mm-hmm. They're two and two. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the whole league is two and two at this point in time. But Ernie's right. I mean, the Steelers are one and three, which is disappointing, but they're a game back because the Browns went to Atlanta and lost today. The Ravens lost at home. They built another big lead against an AFC East opponent up 20 to three. Uh, Lamar throws an interception on fourth down late in the game instead of kicking a go ahead field goal. Buffalo comes down, wins it on the last uh, on the last kick of the game, 23 to 20. Um, And then the Bengals on Thursday night beat uh, beat Miami so that they're at two and two as well. So let's let's spend a little bit of time going backwards and talking about Buffalo and Ravens today. Anything that stood out? I mean, the weather was terrible. Josh Allen did enough to win, and Lamar didn't do quite enough to win. Yeah, uh, unspectacular uh, game by Josh Allen. Uh, we'll attribute it to the uh, to the weather, but Lamar Jackson basically gave that uh, that game away. I mean, he had two interceptions. The costly one, like you mentioned, was into the end zone that allowed Buffalo to get back. I mean, they had a seventeen point lead at one point. They were leading twenty to three. Did nothing other than that drive where that. Uh, ended in that interception to to create any other type of scoring threat. I I am not sure what was happening in Baltimore uh, on that offensive coordinator's mind. I don't know if he was playing not to lose, going conservative, and that's how really you get back into the game. This is the first time Buffalo has come back from a 17-point deficit to win. This is the first time in their history, uh, you know, Albeit they have Josh Allen and all those weapons, that was a game that the Baltimore Ravens should have won. No, so they could easily be 4-0. I mean, they gave up a big lead to Miami. They gave up a big lead to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. I think my takeaway from this game is Baltimore is still a very, very good team. But Buffalo needed this because Buffalo tends to steamroll teams when they win. And if the game is close... They lose. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they blow out teams. They blew out the Rams. They blew out the Titans. Um, and then as soon as they get a tight game with Miami, they found a way to lose. Granted, there is all kinds of circumstances. Today, a tight game on the road, bad weather conditions, down 17, finding a way to come back and win, I think, is big for Buffalo as they struggle to get themselves healthy, especially on the back end of the defense. So they go to 3-1. and one. Miami's now 3-1. and one. The Jets are 2-2. Two and two. Um, In the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs just went down to Tampa Bay and, and really waxed, put a whooping on Tampa Bay, winning by, I mean, the, the eventual score, I, th- I believe, was 41 to 31. So they won by 10, but they had control of this game really the whole way. Um, the Raiders finally win a game. Mm-hmm. They beat Denver. They go to one and three. Denver's now two and two. So you have Kansas City at three and one, Denver at two and two. The Chargers win today in Houston. They're two and two. And then the Raiders are, are one and three. Your thoughts on the Kansas City Tampa game? I didn't think they would be how good Kansas City is with with, with all of their offensive weapons. I didn't think they, they could put 41 points on that Tampa Bay defense. Well, the Tampa Bay defense has been dominant all yeah. season so far. I expected Tampa Bay to put up high 20s. In this case, they 
31. If you told me that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would put up 31 points tonight, I would have said they win easily. Well, you know what, Ernie? It's, it's, it's funny you say that because they showed a stat at the end of the game. Tom Brady, prior to this game, was 125-4 and four in a game where he scores 31 points. So this is only the fifth time in his career in 130 times where he scored 31 points and still lost. That's, yeah. that's, quite, that's crazy. That, 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 Detroit did that in the last couple of weeks already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's not that... I mean, they put, up, they put up a good balance offense as far as Kansas City is concerned. Mahomes goes for 228, a total team rushing at 189. But still, that Tampa Bay, that Tampa Bay defense uh, really got beaten at, in the trenches. I mean... The Kansas City Chiefs were doing whatever they wanted. When they were getting pass rushes, all Mahomes had to do is find his, a short outlet pass. He threw a couple to Smith-Schuster that uh, he had yaks and was able to get first downs. Uh, Edward Solaire, same thing. Exactly. And, and on the opposite side, you know, Brady really couldn't put anything together uh, in that, uh, at least in the, in the later part of that first half. And was inconsistent in the second half, and I, I kind of think that was due to the fact that Kansas City was just taking away the long ball, and that's why they were able to march down there. But you know, Brady throws for 373, but as far as the rushing concern, three yards, three yards rushing. I've never seen that out of a Tampa Bay offense. Yeah, I mean, they were well, they got down early, and then they started throwing. But you know what? I'm actually. If I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm actually kind of encouraged because Tampa Bay was winning on defense the first three games. Their offense was non-existent. Their offense showed signs of life today. Yes, Brady threw the ball a ton of times. This offense was more reminiscent of what we saw in the Bruce Arians for the last couple of years, not the Todd Bowles conservative offense. So I think there's some some positives there. Mike Evans came back off suspension with a couple of touchdowns. Godwin played. Julio Jones played, although he didn't do much. Gage played. So I think they're getting healthy. So I I think Tampa Bay is going to be all right, but Kansas City, fresh off the loss last week to the Colts, came in mad, came in determined not to let what happened in the Super Bowl happen again, and they played well. They showed why they're one of the elite teams uh, in the NFL. Now, Ernie, one of the games that that I was disappointed because the weather was so bad that I don't think we truly got an indication of what would have happened on a sunny day or in a dome but the Jags go to Philadelphia the weather was brutal they jump out to a 14-0 lead unfortunately they give the ball back Trevor Lawrence himself four lost fumbles and an interception the Eagles come back and win 29-21 your thoughts on that game as the Eagles stay the only unbeaten team in the NFL yeah and I think if the you know if it was uh, neutral weather you know where it where it was mostly everywhere else, I think the Jags would have had a legitimate shot of winning that game. The Jacksonville Jaguars have that tremendous defense. Uh, But you give an offense like the Philadelphia Eagles have uh, with their vaunted rushing attack, uh, short short fields. fields. I mean, they're lucky to only have allowed 29 points, you know. And after that 14-point first quarter, only uh, able to sum up another seven points for a total of 21 points for the game. I mean, that, that, that just wasn't enough. Now, of course, the turnovers had a lot to do, you know, with that, uh, with their final scoring output. But, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, I really, I, I didn't think that they'd be 4-0 right now. But at the same time, this is the, I would say that the Philadelphia Eagles right now, I have them ranked number one, which I'll go into my rankings a little bit later. But there, I would say there's about another five teams that in any given week could beat this Philadelphia. Well, I think there's another 27 teams. I mean, the way the league is going, (laughs) that can step up and beat someone. But yeah, that's the only thing. I think this game was just disappointing because we really don't know. Jaguars coming off a 38 to 10 win at the Chargers. They destroyed the Colts. You know, they barely lost the heartbreaking game to the to the Commanders. Uh, they're now two and two, but I think they're a legit two and two. And although they're tied with Tennessee now, if Jacksonville can stay healthy, I believe Jacksonville is my favorite in the AFC South now. I think they have the best well-rounded team. I think Trevor Lawrence 
the weather did him no favors and you you hit it right on the head the eagles are a run dominant team so when you're playing in torrential rain that's yeah. not gonna buy in fact that helps you because yeah. you know where you're going and the defense doesn't and uh, miles sanders ran for almost 150 yards right. they ran for over 200 yards and i think it just set up well i still believe in the jags though but the eagles go on uh to go four and oh um Packers, surprising, 10-point favorites taken to the limit by the Patriots before winning in overtime against their third-string quarterback as Hoyer gets hurt in the first half. Zappy, if I'm pronouncing it right, yeah. comes in, plays adequate, and uh, the Patriots now go to 1-3. and three. But the, the Packers at 3-1 and one are a very deceptive 3-1. and one. Win is a win is a win. You know, Sean McVay always says that. It's hard to win in this league. And many teams would switch 3-1 and one with 1-3. One and three. But they're not a really strong 3-1 and one team. They beat the Bears who seem putrid. They struggled today with the Packers. They Yes, they beat the Bucks last week when they had nobody, literally mm-hmm. no wide receivers. And they barely beat them there. There's just something missing right now with Green Bay. But they're 3-1 and one, tied with the Vikings for first place. Yeah, and it's all Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's just a matter of how much effort does he have to put on to uh, have the Green Bay Packers score. I mean, when you go in with Brian Hoyer as the starting quarterback and he goes out early, bringing in Bailey Zappi, I mean, you would figure that they would be, this would be a laugher of a game. But no, the Patriots go into halftime with a 10-7 lead, uh, uh, having to force overtime and Green Bay barely winning it. I mean, Green Bay is basically playing with fire over here. I really don't think that they have the weapons. I think this is all predicated upon Aaron Rodgers willing his team in order to win. And when you have a quarterback as great as uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, uh, that's in your favor when it's a close game. Yeah, and so they're tied right now with the Minnesota Vikings who squeak. Um, The New Orleans Saints in London today had the Vikings on the ropes, but the Vikings find a way to come back with late field goals. To win 28-25 in London to go to 3-1. and one. Of course, they beat the Packers in week one. And then, lo and behold, the NFC East. I got to give them props. 4-0 Eagles, 3-1 Giants, 3-1 Cowboys. Um, th- right now, I don't think anyone can argue that they're the strongest division in football. Though those numbers could be a little bit of a facade. Cooper Rush. Will Dak get his job back? I mean, the guy has come in and won three straight games, four touchdowns, no turnovers. He's super efficient. Um, It remains to be seen. Dak wants to come back next week, but next week the Cowboys go to SoFi Mm -hmm. and play my Rams. So I would sit Dak out one more week and not have him have an altercation with Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, but Cooper Rush is. He's getting it done. I think it's the offensive line. I think when you know when when they lost a couple of offensive linemen off of that uh, that team that was really underperforming last year. I think the most of the you know the the pundits out there kind of kind of wrote off the the Dallas Cowboys. I think they really came together this year. I think they blended well. I think that defense is playing great with their yeah, two, defense with their two great. young studs and you know uh, Parsons, in Parsons and Diggs. And Diggs. I th- that's what's holding this. I don't. It's not. Cooper Rush is playing well. He is a byproduct, I believe, of everything that surrounds him on top of. Yeah, that. he hasn't had to win it for them. Exactly. Yet. I mean, he has. To, he's managing games. He's making the plays. The bottom line is he's not turning the ball exactly. over. Exactly. And Dallas is getting some turnovers. He's not turning the ball over. And Dallas is three and one heading into uh, L.A. next week. So. Previewing tomorrow night's Monday night action, it's the Los Angeles Rams, my Los Angeles Rams, 2-1, visiting San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers at 1-2. If you remember correctly, this was one of my two picks from last week. I have the 49ers winning this game, covering the two-point spread. Blasphemy. I (laughs) I hope I am wrong. But Ernie, we've talked about this. Other than the NFC Championship, the 49ers have had the Rams number for the last three years. Um, Can the Rams... I think it comes down to this. If the Rams don't turn the ball over, they're going to win this game. But that is a big, big if. Because history has shown that the Rams 
either they put the ball on the turf or Stafford puts the ball in harm's way. Um, but if the Rams play a clean game, then they have a chance. If not, I, you know, I expect that the 49ers are going to continue their regular season dominance. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it comes down to that. I think it comes down to turnovers in this game. And when and when you're second guessing yourself as far as the, the Rams are concerned, uh, that's advantage to the San Francisco 49ers. I think they have all the confidence going into this game. They can just look back in their last six regular season games against the Rams where, you know, they've won no matter what the, the spread was there. On the opposite, opposite side, the Rams are thinking just, uh, you know, they're, they're a 180 degree turn on top of there. They're wondering what mistakes can we do, are we going to do now? So all that pressure is on top of them to make that, play that mistake-free game. I am not sure if Stafford, who's been really struggling in regards to interceptions this year, more more interceptions than touchdowns thrown so far this season, if he can play a clean game. And if he does play a clean game, does that take away from him throwing down the field and making those passes that he needs to get that offensive offense going? Cam Akers, he's really uh, started off slow. Not expected him to, uh, I expected him to have a really big game. Maybe he breaks out on top of this game, but that San Francisco defense can hit on all cylinders. They can make any good offensive team look bad. This is going to be a very interesting game. If you're a betting man, I would stay away from this game. I do like the Rams, however. I know that's your team. I like the Rams on top of this game. I think that last year's playoff win against the San Francisco 49ers kind of lifted that stink uh, off of the six previous losses. I think they find strength on top of that and they carry it on to this Monday night win. Oh, I sure hope so because if we can go to 3-1 and one and put two games between us and the 49ers, that would be wonderful. And if we lose, then the entire <laughs> NFC West will be 2-2 two and two like the rest of the league. Now, I'm hopeful Stafford was a, had a clean game last week, no interceptions last week after throwing five in the first two games, had two touchdowns dropped, one by Cup, one by Allen Robinson. We're going to have to have those those drops cannot happen. We got to play clean football. We got to make the catches and we got to convert when we have a chance. So that kind of wraps up the NFL for for this particular week in terms of the games. But we're going to jump right into our top five. So you want to go first, Ernie? Sure, I'll go okay. first. Uh, my top five, my uh, my top five is weird because, man, it, it would be more fair if we made this a top 10 because my top 10 the difference, let's just say this, the difference between my top, in, if I had a top 10, the difference between the number 10 team and the number 14 would be minuscule. Mm-hmm. There are so many teams out there that could break into this top five because of the parity which we spoke about earlier. I think there's three legitimate uh, teams out there that kind of have separated themselves a little bit, even though, uh, you know, as far as the standings and records are concerned, uh, they're not much better than the rest of the pack. But I'll start off with the Dallas Cowboys. I believe what they've been doing now without Dak Prescott, uh, as I mentioned in regards to their defense, their offensive line really protecting Cooper Rush out there, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, breathing, getting that uh, second push in his in his career. I like I put the Dallas Cowboys there at number five. Green Bay I have at number four. I, like I said, I only say it because of one Aaron. Rodgers, I think he has uh, he's willing that team as long as he is with the Green Bay Packers They will remain competitive right now. They're three and one uh, I like them better than the other teams that are three and one just because he's on that roster. He really doesn't have enough uh, Let's say help in regards to personnel surrounding him But he's the type of player out there that makes mediocre players play a little bit better so I have the Green Bay Packers at number four. Now, my number three, I wouldn't be surprised if you have them as, as your top three. I have Buffalo uh, at three right now. Uh, I, I would probably put them higher other than the fact that they really struggled the last two weeks. They should have lost today if not for help from uh, the Baltimore Ravens in regards to turnovers at the last particular minute. But nevertheless, they, they break through, have a 17-point uh, comeback uh, to bring their record to 3-1. and one. I have them as my number three team. The Kansas City Chiefs, I can't believe they lost last week. They would have been my number one spot uh, this week easily, easily. But, you know, they had that snafu. 
They're, they dominated the trenches today. They dominated the trenches against a good Tampa Bay team. I have them as my number two team. And I can't put Philadelphia below. I mean, they're, they're undefeated. Even though uh, I think they should have, it should have been a lot closer game uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars today. If at all, they may have even lost today if uh, you know those turnovers didn't happen. I can't put it past them. That's why we play the game. That's why the records are the records. They are the only undefeated team right now after week four in the NFL. They are my number one team. Okay, so quite a bit of difference. Uh, yeah, there's really no teams in the same slot. So I get it with the Green Bay and the Dallas. And, and Ernie's exactly right. I mean, I had three teams that I had no qualms about. And then I really had to struggle to see who I was going to put on at four and five. Because like Ernie said, you can go 10, 12 deep and it's interchangeable on a week to week basis. Mm -hmm. So I'll start in reverse order. I still have Buffalo at number one. Um, I still believe they have the, the top roster. I think today was a big step for them to win in Baltimore under the circumstances. They still are playing with so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I think their loss is a good loss in Miami under those circumstances. I still have them at one, but barely over the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles, um, if this continues, if they can go into Arizona next week and wax the, the Cardinals in Phoenix, then maybe the Eagles will take over the number one spot for me. But I have the Eagles there. I think they've been impressive. They're 4-0. and um, everyone that's come their way, they found the way to win. Kansas City is my number three team. Uh, they were super impressive today. They were very impressive in week one. But I think out of all of the, the one-loss teams that are going to be on my list, Kansas City had the weakest loss. Mm -hmm. You know, losing at the Colts where the Bills lost at the Dolphins. And then my number four team, the Miami Dolphins, lost on Thursday night and we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, on what happened to Tua in that game but that was a very difficult loss um, for Miami a very difficult situation they were on the field for 90 defensive plays on Sunday to come back on a short week at the Bengals did not set up well for them so I still have Miami in there even without Tua and I'll get to that right after this and then I have Minnesota at number five do I think Minnesota's the fifth best team? Maybe, maybe not. But at this day, Minnesota beat Green Bay, so I can't have Green Bay ahead of them. Minnesota destroyed Green Bay, so I don't want to have Minnesota ahead of Green Bay at this point in time. And again, Minnesota has the best loss. Their only loss is at the Eagles on Monday Night Football. The Eagles are undefeated, so I still have the Vikings in there at number five, although four and five could be one of a number of teams yeah. in there so before we get to our picks we'll recap our, our top two picks and then we'll, we'll share with you who our best bets are for this week i do want to spend some time on the Tua tongue of iloa situation because sure. that was big news all week long we talked about this last week that we were both surprised um that he, he was met, allowed to come, come back, back into that game and then he was cleared all week long to be able to play on thursday he plays and i believe the play that that knocked him out did not even seem to be as bad as last week's play but that is a dangerous situation if he had some kind of a, a concussion already to have a double impact concussion on, on thursday was scary it was a scary scene he was motionless for a long period of time he seems to be okay for now but Ernie, should Tua have played last week Thursday? Definitely, definitely not. I mean, that, well, just to say this, the the physician that examined him on that particular game is no longer with the team. I mean, there's a number of videos that I was looking on through YouTube that said that no way that this should happen. I mean, there was there there were indications that they said that he had a back issue that that probably played a, a part in uh, his wooziness. It didn't. I don't. I've had back problems. Yeah. You know, I just can't get up. But when I get up, I am not wobbly. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the part that was so perplexing, even watching the game last, last week, is you're not a neuro neurologist. I'm not a neurologist. We're, we're definitely not doctors by any stretch of the imagination. Yet our eyes told us he should not have played in the second half of that game. 
and should not have played on Thursday. Yeah, Daniel they said it too. They say that if you have if you have you know any two symptoms, you're not supposed to play. And he had those symptoms. He immediately grabbed his head, and and like they said, you grab what's injured. If his back was really the reason why he was, he would have grabbed his back, not his head. He was shaking his head like there's cobwebs, and then he lost his balance. Those are three symptoms of a concussion that the whole world could see that didn't need any further evaluation. That should have been game, set, match. You're out, and there's no way you're cleared in four days to play on Thursday. So hopefully... Hopefully, there's no long-term damage for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But I think right now, he has to be treated as if he has a double-impact concussion. His timetable for return is unknown. But there's a chance he could miss 6, 8, 10, maybe even the rest of the season um, with that concussion, you know, depending on how he responds. So, and gang, for those of you that know me here in Hawaii, uh, I'll share a little bit. My daughter a few years ago had a concussion from soccer in the on a, in the mainland, um, and she missed the last quarter of her freshman year school. Missed school, and she missed the first semester of her sophomore year school wise from a bad concussion from one concussion. And the thing that we were not aware of that made it worse was two days after her concussion, we flew back to Hawaii. And when we landed back here in Hawaii, her concussion got much worse. So in this situation with Tua, I don't even understand why he was rushed out of the hospital on Thursday night and rushed to fly back with them on Thursday night as well. That made no sense to me. I think Tua's got screwed in this situation. His health is... Granted, he wants to play. I'm sure he's part of the problem. He understands that this is year three. Everything is riding on this year. One of the biggest knocks on him is he can't stay healthy. So he's going to put himself in harm's way. He wants to get that bag at the end of the year, an, an extension. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's best. Sometimes you have to not do what the player wants and do what's best for the player. Just like we talked about with Justin Herbert last week, mm-hmm. we're talking about Tua this week. No way Tua should have played. And in this particular situation with his brain, Tua should not touch this field for at least a month or two at best. Yeah, and I got to figure the NFLPA is going to make sure that that happens. I mean, the Miami Dolphins had their chance and they blew it in this case. I think the public pressure uh, is going to actually keep Tua out longer than they, they, they should Rather than, you know, the short-sightedness of what they, what just happened where they brought him back a little bit too early. Yeah. So I wouldn't expect Tua back for a while. And I think you saw some of that impact, uh, you know, in the NFL today. Hoyer gets a little bit of mm-hmm. a, a bang of his head. He's out. He yep. doesn't come back. Shaq Leonard, same thing. First game back. He twings his head. He's out. He's not coming back. Even, so in, I think, even in the Tampa Bay game. I didn't the, see that the, one. I, uh, I can't remember the player, but the line, I, I think he was a linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gets hit on a kickoff return. He doesn't return for the rest of the game. And you know what? That's probably for the best. So yep. now they're going to err on the side of overcautiousness. And gang, like I said, you know, I've lived through a year with my daughter and seen the the magnitude and the and and to this day she has migraines and it's been five years, but she still has permanent. Uh, results from that concussion you don't mess with your brain you've got one brain it's not like coming back from a broken leg or a torn rotator cuff or any kind of physical muscle or bone injury this is your brain you have one brain and you don't really you can't see it it's not a tangible repair i hope Tua takes the time to make sure that he's healthy and as a team, Miami's got the best, you know, what could be the best backup quarterback in the league in Teddy Bridgewater. There's no reason for them to push it. And for us Hawaii fans, we have to live through it again on Saturday when Dylan Gabriel gets what looked to be knocked unconscious, sliding against TCU. TCU player takes a cheap shot at him. He laid motionless. He's out with a concussion. I, I'm guessing he's going to be out for a bit as well. But we're in Hawaii. Tua is idolized here. Um... And I think that was a topic of discussion. The impact on his brain hopefully is not going to be permanent. Permanent. Uh, hopefully he takes the time to to heal properly. Uh, but the NFL has to be better. The NFL has to be better in protecting their players. Because right. Tom, Dick, and Harry could see Tua shouldn't have gone back. And yet somebody made the decision to send him back out there, which is ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he probably wanted, he was probably... 
uh, very adamant about trying to return to the game, but you gotta you gotta protect the players from themselves. There, I don't any competitive player would would have done that too, uh, notwithstanding from that. So hopefully, lesson learned. Yep. Okay. So let's go. Just jump into our picks. So so far today, uh, my Dallas. I had Dallas minus three over Washington. Dallas covered that easily. I have the 49ers tomorrow, one and a half over the Rams. So we'll see. I can go either two and zero oh or one and one. Ernie had a tough day. He had the Steelers minus three and a half. Uh, Jets won outright, and then he had Tampa Bay uh, pick them over Kansas City, and Kansas City covered that. So Ernie bounced back next week. You went 2-0 last week, 0-2 this week. Where are you going next week? Boy, I really don't know. I mean, this is a wacky season. Like I said, <laughs> after week four, only one undefeated team. I mean, uh, crazy things have happened. Seattle being uh, at 500, <laughs> that's, that's crazy in itself. I'm going to go with... My first pick is going to be the Tennessee Titans at the Washington Commanders. I I really think that Carson Wentz, like I said uh, earlier, uh, maybe about a month ago in the podcast, I don't believe in Carson Wentz. I think he's a, I think he has all the talent in the world as far as a quarterback is concerned, but he doesn't produce that something special to make your team better. I think that in introductory year in the Philadelphia Eagles where you know he didn't really finish off the season but he he, he took the uh he set them up for a playoff run was his best year after that everything else went down the door uh the Titans I think are the Titans nothing flashy really just grind it out uh run the ball here let Tannehill pass whenever he needs to pass and and play defense I think they go into Washington I think they cover uh, that minus two and a half. I think they're gonna. I I think this is gonna be a double digit win for the Titans. Take the Titans minus two and a half. My second game is gonna be the Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars have been playing terrific defense. Uh, I again, like we mentioned, if not for the turnover city, I think they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. If not, make it a lot closer. The Texans aren't the Philadelphia Eagles. Jags are giving them seven. Take the Jags. I think they rebound big time. I don't think there's going to be five turnovers today for uh, next week for the Jags. Take the Jags minus seven. Okay, so Tennessee minus two and a half at Washington. Washington seems to be really struggling. Jags to bounce back at home minus seven over the Texans. All right, so Ernie, I'm going to go with your Steelers. Good luck. <laughs> so the Steelers are getting... 14 points at Buffalo next week. So Buffalo's laying 14 points. Now, could Buffalo blow them out like they do a lot of other teams? They could. But one thing about Ernie Steelers, as road dogs, especially big road dogs, they put up a fight and they find a way to keep it close. Last year, week one, big underdogs at Buffalo. They won the game out right. In an ugly game with a block punt for a touchdown, um, they win the game all right. I'm not saying they're going to go in there with Kenny Pickett and beat Buffalo in Buffalo, but I believe they can find a way to keep it at 14 points or less. So I'm going to go Steelers plus 14. And the other one, I'm going to take Tampa Bay and Tom Brady minus eight at home against the Atlanta Falcons. So one of the things that Ernie and I noticed is that it kind of seems like Whoever's the more desperate team on any particular day seems to win, which is why I'm a little bit of afraid for my Rams tomorrow, (laughs) because I think the San Francisco 49ers are a little bit more desperate. But Tampa Bay has now lost two in a row and the Falcons have won two in a row. So I believe Tampa Bay is going to come out smoking. They're going to be as healthy as they've been all year. I believe Tampa Bay trounces Atlanta next week and covers that eight. So I've got the Steelers plus 14 and I got Tampa Bay minus eight. Ernie's got Tennessee minus two and a half, Jacksonville minus seven. This week, though, gang, would not be the week to look at these picks and put it in a 14 parlay with your mortgage payment on the line. I would not (laughs) do that this week. These games are 
right now, looking at the spreads, these games are what we think are the best possible picks for next week. By no stretch, I don't think either of us think that these games are your NFL lock of the year. No, and, and and it's difficult, folks. We're picking these. T- we're picking these games one week out. It's difficult picking them. You know, the night before, we're picking these games like a week out. Yeah, and so we that, have that's no- a good point. So check us out on social media during the week. If we update this based on line movements, injuries, etc., we will put it out on Twitter uh, and Facebook later in the week. That Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Ernie's right. We're doing this seven days out. We don't know who got hurt today, what the weather's going to be like. From exactly. when we made these picks last week, Hurricane Ian hit Florida exactly. and the Carolinas, etc. So yeah, that's absolutely right. Anything else about football before we transition into baseball? No, I think we're good. Alright, so gang, it's three days until the end of the Major League Baseball season and of course the only thing that matters is the Los Angeles Dodgers and now have 110 wins. <laughs> They're 110 and 49. Actually, the big news is what is happening in getting wild card position so gang if you're familiar with baseball this year it is different from any other time they added another playoff team so now the first and the second seeds in the in the american league and national league get a bye the third division winner is the third seed and then the four five six the top three wild cards have to play a three game series so three versus six four versus five they play a best two out of three and then the winners then advance to the national league and american league divisional series so as we stand right now it's the dodgers in with the number one seed the the cardinals with the number three seed that's a lock the atlanta braves sweep the new york mets this weekend in atlanta to now take a two-game lead with three games left so it sure looks like the atlanta braves are going to secure the two seed meaning the mets would fall to the four seed as the top wild card san diego looks to be the 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 fifth seed Uh, and right now it kind of looks like philadelphia although milwaukee still has a chance there so we could be looking at a scenario where it's the cardinals against the phillies or the brewers and then it's the mets against the padres with the winner of the mets padres playing the dodgers and the winner of the other series playing the braves so that's what's happening in the national league so your cardinals and my dodgers are set they're in the playoffs um the only way we're going to play each other, though, is if we're playing in the National League Championship Series. So you bring have it, to take care of Atlanta, and on. we'll have to take care of the Mets or the Padres. In the American League, the Seattle Mariners clinched their first playoff appearance since 2001, which is the longest drought, I believe, in all of baseball. So it's been 21 years, but they're now in. Houston Astros are far and away the number one seed. The New York Yankees are the number two seed. The Cleveland Guardians are the number three seed. And then there's still, you know, right now I think it's Toronto four, Seattle five, and Tampa Bay six. Again, same scenario. It'll be the Guardians against the six seed and then the four and the five playing a best two out of three. So before we talk about Aaron Judge, Looking at this right now, as it seems, it really seems like Houston is the clear cut best team in the American League, although anyone can get hot for a short series. But Houston with 102 wins on their own. They have Verlander, who's probably going to win the Cy Young. Framber Valdez, who has 26 quality starts. He's going to be top five in the Cy Young. Um, They really seem positioned to play playoff baseball. In the National League, again, I say the Dodgers are 110 and 48, but I'm scared that they don't match up well with the Mets, with DeGrom and Scherzer, or the Braves with all of their pitching. So the Dodgers have had a phenomenal season, but I don't make them the favorite, even if they have the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Your early thoughts on baseball. Yeah, I I really think the Dodgers are actually going to be better uh, this year. I think they're going to perform better. Uh, I don't think that they have that specter of San Francisco sneaking up on top of them when they did all they could last year. Uh, like you said, their nemesis in the St. Louis Cardinals are not going to be a problem, if at all, until they reach that uh, the the pennant game. I, I think they are the overwhelming favorite, even though Atlanta has a triple-digit win uh, record currently right now. Uh, going back to uh, the the American League, I really think a lot of this uh, Aaron Judge 
chatter is really putting a damper in regards to the New York Yankees, albeit in the last 10 games, they're still winning. They put up a 7-3 and three record during that time frame. But I really think that, you know, once we can get past that going into the playoffs, a scenario. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be either them or, or 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 Houston. You mentioned the the pitching prowess that Houston has over there. I think that could be going. Uh, you know that that can be offset by the you know the, the Yankees. Uh, you know hitting prowess. So it really matters on what night is is really happening. There, there, you know things happen. A little injury there. Uh, a little injury here. A little injury there. You know. Uh, uh, Timely hitting here, you know, untimely hitting there. That all plays into the in, in, into baseball. So I like I like your Dodgers, and in this case right now, I would I'm riding with the Yankees going from the American League. Yeah, the thing with baseball though is pitching is is so important, and 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 whoever's hot, like even the Toronto. Toronto has Manoa and they have Gausman. They have two solid quality starters. They have a great hitting team. I could see them getting on a run and going to the World Series. It's going to be fun. But gang, by the time we record next week, the opening wild card rounds could be over Over. already. You know, so we wanted to at least discuss that heading into that. Next week, we'll recap how the first round went. But I want to transition into Aaron Judge. Now, clearly Aaron Judge over the last 10 days or so has been pressing. I mean, he was on fire until he got to 60 home runs. And since then, he had one two-run home run in Toronto to Ty Maris. But over that last 10, 12-game stretch, I believe he's something like 7 for 32 with like 14 strikeouts. Um, Other teams are pitching him brilliantly. They're not giving him anything to hit. Um... He's pressing a little bit. I think at first he was swinging too much. Now he's trying to be patient. He's also walked like 15 times. Um, But he's pressing a little bit. So I think you're right. I think if he can get that, who knows? There's only three games left now for him to hit number 62. He may or he may not do it. Although I have a feeling once he goes to Texas, Texas is out of it. They're not going to care. I have a feeling he'll get it done. I think just resetting will allow him to relax and refocus and hopefully he can do that but my closing thought is is Aaron Judge's season this year and some of this you know when I was thinking about doing this early in the week and now he was so cold this week that this kind of lost some of its luster but my question was is this the greatest offensive season in modern baseball history so not going back to the Lou Gehrig's and the Babe Roots when they weren't playing you know against uh black players uh etc but modern so going back into maybe the 60s and 70s until now so I made a list of what I believe are the greatest seasons in the modern baseball era Three of them are Barry Bonds. In 2002, he hit 370 with 46 home runs, 198 walks. Bonds in 2004, 362 average with 45 home runs, 232 walks, and an unheard of on-base percentage of 609. Six out of every 10 times he got on base. Bonds in 2001, when he hit the 73 home runs, he hit 328 with 137 RBIs and 11.6 war, which is the best war season in Major League Baseball history. So those are three mind-boggling years, but that's at the height of Barry Bonds' suspicion of using PED. So I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, anything past 97, I think. Yeah, so number four. Albert Pujols 2008. in 2000 and well 2009 okay 327 327 batting average 47 home runs 135 RBIs and 8.4 war now before I get to the last two which is Miguel Cabrera I want to say something about Albert Pujols because we talked about him last week he had two more home runs this yep. week too bad Aaron Judge can learn from from <laughs> Albert Pujols but Albert Pujols won three MVPs with the St. Louis Cardinals in his first 10 years. He finished second three times in 2002, 2004, and 2001 to Barry Bonds. If Barry Bonds wasn't on the juice, Albert Pujols could have six MVPs Mm -hmm. in a short period of time because he finished second each of those years. Just more, more, more 
for Albert Pujols. Yeah. Ernie, that's one thing we can agree on. That's Ernie's a St. Louis Cardinal fan. That's Albert Pujols, and I just love Albert Pujols. Now, number five was Miguel Cabrera's 2013 season, where he hit 348, 44 home runs, 137 RBIs. And then the year before, in 2012, he hit 330 with 44 home runs, 139 RBIs, and he actually won the Triple Crown. So he was the first American leaguer to win the Triple Crown since the 1960s. And now Aaron Judge is trying to win the Triple Crown. Now, here is why I think Aaron Judge's year this year is the greatest year in history. Statistically, 61 home runs is an American League record. He has 130 plus RBIs. He's hitting leadoff for them. You're not going to get a lot of RBIs hitting leadoff. Um, his batting average is now at around. Th- the, he's struggling, so he's going to make it. He's going to have to really get hot in order to win the Triple Crown. But he's hitting around 310. But I think the game now is so different than any of these guys had to deal with. Right now, you have the shift. So. Th- you have four outfielders on one side of the sometimes you have four offensive defenders on on certain sides of the side so the shift has impacted your ability to hit for average that's for sure the other thing that is different is right now starting pitchers only pitch five innings Mm -hmm. they pitch five or six Mm -hmm. innings and then you bring in 100 mile an hours in the sixth another one in the seventh another one in the eighth and another one in the ninth so now these hitters in today's day and age are having to hit against fresh arms every at bat for the duration of the game that never when Babe Ruth was playing it was the same guy who pitched two double hitters in a row I mean it was just it was just a different game back then then you look at what he did Aaron Judge is doing relative to the normal batting average Ernie the average the the average batting average this year is 245 that's an average batting average He's up at 310 with the 61 home runs and a war of almost 11. Right As of right now, he has the second highest wins above replacement average for a season other than Barry Bonds in 2001, the second highest in history. I think because he's not in the PED era and there's really no doubt that he's doing this clean, mm-hmm. the fact that he could win a triple crown, even if he falls short on the average with the 60-plus home runs and the 130-plus RBIs in this day and age, and the gap between him and the next person is so big, he's at 61 home runs, Schwarber's at 42. That's a huge gap. He's so much better than everyone else this year. I think, relatively speaking, versus his peers in that era, I think this is the greatest season in history, even if I don't really care for Aaron Judge. (laughs) (laughs) But again, I I, I think you have to, you know, we take pride on trying to speak the truth of what we really believe and try to put biases aside other than the, the... Dodgers and the Lakers and the Rams but other than that we try to be honest but I you know your thoughts is this season comparable to some of these others it's I would say I would put Albert Pujols up there you know like you said the two I remember it's 2008 but you correct me at 2009 well it could have been 2008 I mean that's just the one that I pulled up right you know so you could be right right yeah but yeah he I definitely would discount bonds I mean uh, just the body changes that that man had, you know, starting from 1997 uh, with the Giants out there. I mean, I, I think you'd have to be very close-minded and, uh, you know, in denial to think that that had nothing to do with it. I mean, he, uh, you know, and it's not just him. It's it's, it's Mark McGuire who was with uh, and the Sammy Cardinals Sosa. and Sammy Sosa. So, uh, you know, I, I include a Cardinal in there. You know, so there's no bias on that, but I gotta discount that. I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll throw in the Albert Pujols just because he's my man, even though I didn't like him when, when he went to the Angels after that terrific season that you mentioned. Aaron Judge has been playing out of his mind. I mean, if you look at his stats prior season, I mean, it's just out there. Uh, when, when you say that it's undisputed that he has, uh, this is a clean season, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know because if you look at his stats from prior season, this is a major jump from... A, from well, those- he had 50 home runs his rookie year. The problem is he's always hurt. Yeah, but... And then he had 39 last year and then it's 60. And, and, and he's had some stinker years in between that. I mean, this is by far his, 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 his greatest year. And if he is clean this year, I would... I, I, you know what? I don't. I don't want to taint this year for him. Uh, but yes, 
I would have to say this is one of the better years, especially when you mention against his peers. You know, it's such every, a big gap. Every, it's not like everybody's hitting. Every exactly. It's 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 like who it's like who is better, Montana or uh, somebody else, who in this day and age, we're in the passing uh, type of offense. Uh, can throw for more yards than than Joe Montana, but I would still pick Joe Montana, you know, in his prime over, you know, some quarterbacks, you know, in today's game. Uh, it's against the style that you play, who you play against. I would have I would have to agree with you. This is this if it, if it's not the best, it's up there. Yeah, it is. I mean, and again, this is this is a fodder for discussion. Everyone has their opinions. The bottom line is he's had an absolutely phenomenal year. Hopefully he can get past 61 in the next three days and set the record. Again, you're listening to Ernie and Monty. We are the sports rivals, newly part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, and we're excited to do that. Ernie, is there anything else in the world of sports that you want to talk about today? There's too many, but we'll save it for next week. I know there is just so much going on right now. Again, gang, we encourage you to check us out on social media, the Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Again, check out in the mornings, weekday mornings from 8 to 9. It's Kuulei Agbayani and Alan Mia with Wake Up in the Den. Again, that's 8 to 9 a.m. Weekday mornings on 760 a.m. and 95.1 FM. And for Ernie, I'm Monty. We are the Sports Rivals. Until next week, we're out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Hey.